We are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. This is what we're dealing with with these people up there. Tom Brady can play to at least fifth. It gets serious. I mean, Mraz, what do you think about these donuts? You I have think you better put donut. them down before I run through the glass. <laughs> <laughs> this is bad, Lance Booker. Now, Mraz, again, these are the hardest one to eat. He's putting his face down. Is Mraz going to survive? Who? No, let's go. Let's go crazy. How many years ago we finally put bacon on a donut? Mirage is disgusted. But hey, we paid JPP and his three fingers to go out there and do nothing last night. Mirage on CBS Sports Radio. Let's go, North America. Let's get crazy. It's a Sunday morning across the United States and Canada. One of the best sports weekends of the year, especially if you're a football fan with conference championships all over the place and a bit of a moving day in the NFL ahead of us. As we come to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios, millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you to Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. We've had a fun, entertaining show to this far. We have this final hour to have some fun with. Russell Baxter are going to come your way, preview the NFL Sunday at the end of the hour. John Kincaid comes up after that, then a little DA Sunday morning football, getting you all set for a monstrous NFL Sunday and, of course, the release of the college football playoff rankings. And if you're waking up, that alarm going off, got a little, some morning stuff you got to take care of before buckling in for a big NFL Sunday and watching the release of the rankings. Maybe you want to hit your phone, just kind of relive what what the big stories in the morning are. Don't worry about it. You're locked here, whether it's radio.com, SiriusXM206, any of our great affiliates, telling Alexa to play CBS Sports Radio. We have your day started now. It's your phone scroll. It's time for the Phone Scroller. The biggest stories you'll be reading waking up this morning. Only on the Sean Morash Show. Ah, yes. What a day. I, I guess it started Friday night into a Saturday. It was in the college football playoff picture as the season officially came to an end with conference championships. And we entered Friday night and sat down and got started with Utah and Oregon before all that would come our way Saturday with one thing on our mind as college football fans. Who would be the fourth team in the college football playoff? Essentially believing that nothing Clemson, LSU, or Ohio State could do, win or lose, would get them out of the playoff. Fine. Uh, We all understand that. It was a three-team race at the top. Who would be the fourth team? Well, when you see Utah spit up all over themselves... Baylor get down to a third-string quarterback in Oklahoma needing overtime to beat them. And then Georgia completely gets annihilated by LSU. That all happened this week. And if you're waking up with your phone scrolling, maybe you didn't see that. It left us less wondering about who the fourth team will be. It'll likely be Oklahoma. And more asking the question, who will be the first team in the college football playoff? Because that now becomes so important. If you follow the college football semifinal... Uh, A lot of these games end up in blowout fashion, especially what we saw last year. 
And right now, when you have three unbeatens, three worthy teams of the number one spot, for the first time since 2004, when unbeaten Auburn couldn't play for a national title and there was no playoff, that makes getting the 2-3 game dangerous. Because if you were in that 2-3 seed game, you were going to need to beat two undefeated teams to win the national championship, meaning you want that one. So now the question becomes, who deserves the number one seed? Well, if you didn't catch it last night, at halftime, Ohio State was trailing Wisconsin 21-7, to meaning they came out knowing everything that was on the line, and they were struggling. Now, they ended up putting their foots on the throat second half, and if you're just a believer in final score, final result, yeah, Ohio State took care of business. The truth is, though, they knew what had happened in the SEC title game, and they still came out and laid a bit of a dud. Now, their resume is going to look great. They have five wins over top 25 teams, five. LSU ends up beating Georgia, annihilates him. LSU has four. The problem and difference here is when you're determining who's going to be the number one, and I'm discounting Clemson because of strength of schedule. The committee has stressed, and Rob Mullins has stressed every week when the television show, The Forest It Is, those rankings comes out, because nobody really cares about them until the final one. But they have stressed, we use our eye test. We watch the games. It's a reason you get these rankings on a Tuesday night and not immediately Sunday morning, right? Well, part of that is TV. Part of that is they need the time to make sure they watch all the games. Everybody in the committee, they take this so seriously. The committee's eye test at one point early in the year told them that Alabama was a top four team. On that same week, Alabama was a top four team, meaning only four get in the playoff. LSU beat them. The committee's same eyes told them that Georgia was the fourth best team in the country. And not only did LSU in what was, I know, a neutral site game, essentially a Georgia home game in Atlanta. Not only did LSU defeat Georgia, they annihilated Georgia. They embarrassed Georgia from the opening kickoff on. And when you look at that and you realize, yes, LSU might have had four wins as opposed to the five that that Ohio State did versus top 25 teams. But they have now beaten a top four college football playoff team twice. LSU, undoubtedly to me, took the debate away. They are the number one team in the nation. And when the college football playoff rankings come out in a little less than seven hours, they should be that number one team. And we should be staring at an Ohio State-Clemson first-round matchup and an Oklahoma-LSU matchup. LSU, despite everything on Ohio State's resume... If we're going based on what the committee has shown us and what they thought of the teams that each of these teams beat, LSU has the more the more epic, if you will, wins. The bigger wins, even if Ohio State has won more of those. LSU, the number one team in the nation, as they should be. Story number two, Lane Kiffin. Guess who's back in the SEC? Lane, who basically went from offensive coordinator to USC to coach of the Raiders, butted heads with Al Davis, Coach it at Tennessee for one year, bolted on them because he couldn't wait get to, to get back to USC. You know, students causing fires in Tennessee. And while he was there, Lane Kiffin telling all Sean Jeffrey, basically, you're going to be parking cars if you go to South Carolina. Jeffrey went to South Carolina. As we know, he ended up being just fine in the NFL. He was edgy. He was immature. Great football mind, but he was immature. Ended up back at USC. I found it a little unfair to judge his work at USC for a couple of years there because it was right after Pete Carroll left him in dust. He goes to clean up his image being a coordinator for Nick Saban. Does a pretty good job. Gets a job at FAU. We wonder, will we ever see Lane Kiffin on the big stage again? He takes FAU in a state where so many football powers 
and makes FAU a bit of a thing. They again win their conference championship on Saturday. Now Lane Kiffin is headed to Ole Miss. And Ole Miss needs such a revival in that program. And many will question this saying, is Lane Kiffin cut out for the SEC? Is he going to be able to last there as a head coach? And I would say, as Lane Kiffin now approaches 45 as opposed to 35, I actually believe Lane Kiffin has probably learned from what derailed him at stops before. I think he did a good job at Alabama as an assistant. Now, he's done a great job at FAU. I think he's just young enough still, while being old enough mature-wise, that I think he will be able to relate to young recruits, dare I say maybe even better than Nick Saban and Kirby Smart could. Now, those guys will sell the heck out of, of winning, and and those guys are well-established, obviously. We understand. I'm not making it out that Lane Kiffin is the same coach as those guys, but maybe stealing some of these recruits that Ole Miss otherwise wasn't getting in the SEC by Lane Kiffin being Lane Kiffin could work here. And I think he's going to be a little much more mature. I think this was a no-brainer for Ole Miss. And, hey, I'm here for the entertainment and the fireworks to come with it. I think Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss is got it all going on. And how much more entertaining will Ole Miss games be? And you won't have to wait for the Egg Bowl to be entertained because some guy lifted up his leg and fake urinated. Instead, Ole Miss might be, uh, if you will, more entertaining week by week without needing the theatrics of always at the end of the Egg Bowl. All right, story number three to get you started. I, I read it last. Tom E. Curran, who's done a great job covering the Pats, NBC Sports Boston. This is, to me, a wild game of days, a uh, wild, wild day of games. 49ers, Saints, Ravens, Bills, Rams, Seahawks. We get the rematch of the AFC title game. The Patriots, should they lose to Kansas City later on CBS, would have lost all three of the other division leaders in the AFC, which is fascinating. You never see that out of the Patriots. And yet here they are, and Tom E. Curran writes a story about the realization of what's going on up in New England right now. And the name of the story simply, are these Tom Brady's final days with the Patriots? I made the case, and I'm getting crushed on Twitter, at MrazCBS, M-R-A-Z-C-B-S, that Tom Brady, based on the fact that the Patriots defense is really good, they still can win the Super Bowl this year. I, I still wouldn't be shocked if they won the Super Bowl this year. But if they did so, Tom Brady would win the Super Bowl basically looking like Trent Dilfer because that's how he looks. He looks every bit his age. And Tom Brady gave back and basically wanted a long-term deal a couple years ago. They wouldn't commit to him. The Patriots wouldn't. Tom Brady played good sport. He took less money every single year, including the beginning of this year when he signed a weird extension that didn't exactly exist, to make the pieces around him good. So as Tom Brady's talents have disintegrated, and boy, have they in front of us this year. The balls have less zip. He just doesn't look like the same guy. He's still managing his way through games. The weapons aren't there. Gone now is Josh Gordon. They brought in Antonio Brown. They didn't rely on, they couldn't keep him because of his problems. He's gone. They got rid of Demarius Thomas at the beginning of the year. What money Tom Brady gave back to the Patriots hasn't gone to helping him when he needs help the most now. He can no longer make Troy Brown a household name. And if you're Tom Brady and you're looking around and all the butting of the heads that's gone on with Robert Kraft, maybe some of Bill Belichick, and everything that's gone on with it, why on earth, the way you're playing and seeing the way that this is kind of falling apart here, if the Patriots and nothing changes over these last couple of weeks and he continues to look like this, why would you come back? Boys and girls and men and women and everybody out there who has watched the Patriots, and maybe you love the Patriots, maybe you hate them, maybe you just want something new in the NFL, maybe you haven't been able to uh, get behind the fact that there's a lack of parity, and you've been waiting for this day to come, and maybe you're scared to admit it, and Tommy Kern's laying it out for you, and I'm not scared to admit it either. The end of Tom Brady as a New England Patriots quarterback, as an elite quarterback for sure, is over. Those days are over. Now you still have to deal with the fact that Bill Belichick's an elite coach and can out-scheme you and outwork you, and maybe that gets the Patriots more to Super Bowls. But Tom Brady, this could be the final December we see Tom Brady in a New England Patriot uniform 
that looks real ahead of this AFC title matchup with the Kansas rematch with the Kansas City Chiefs. And that is your phone scroller. On this Sunday, December 8th, the year 2019, it is the Sean Morris Show on CBS Sports Radio. If you want calls on any of those topics, waking up today at 855-212-4227. The number again is 855-212-4CBS. And your tweets at MrazCBS, M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. Calls, tweets, all on that next. Plus, when we come back, the Big 12 championship game. Will those two coaches that faced off, will their next matchup with each other be on the same field in the same stadium? I'll explain what I mean next. It's the Sean Moresh Show on CBS Sports Radio. It's Sean Moresh on CBS Sports Radio. You know, well, I'm a chicken fried. A cold beer on a Friday night. A pair of jeans that fit just right And the radio You're listening to Sean Marash on CBS Sports Radio Chicken fried tastes pretty nice for me later on watching a little football We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help They can help you too, Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage you guys have lit up the calls, lit up the tweets, waking up with us here on a Sunday morning. CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line, 855-212-4227, is brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Caesar, not the salad, the human, joins us here on CBS Sports Radio out of Dallas. Caesar, what's up? Hey, what's up, Sean? Hey, not so much. You know, these Dallas Cowboys got everybody stressed out over here. Well, you know, it's it, it, it's our fault. You know, at, at the beginning of the season, we always do the same thing. We always overrate them, hype them up, and we all we always gonna go to Super Bowl. And every time they dis- they disappoint us, we get upset. But the only the only reason we should get upset is it's it, about ourselves. You know, it's it's our fault. We we overrate them. You know, every year Vegas had them. You know, Vegas had them going eight and eight for a reason. We, everybody over here had him going. Well, Caesar, Caesar, the reason for that, and I appreciate the call, is the Cowboys, their talent is not a lie. The talent itself is not overrated. It's the franchise and the way they run that people seem to forget about every year. Every year that Cowboy talent rolls out and people forget that Jerry Jones interferes every year, that Jason Garrett is completely lost as a head coach every year. And it was more and more evident, boy, it was Thursday night. If you don't like the Cowboys, was that enjoyable? Joel is in Charlotte. Joel, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Sean, thanks for taking my call, man. Uh, so I'm a huge Panthers fan. Okay. Um, and I, I heard you make a comment earlier that you don't think Cam Newton will ever be the same um, after the recent injuries. And I think you very well might be right about that. Um, but just based on what Cam has done for this franchise, winning an MVP here, um, taking us to a Super Bowl, I think he deserves one more shot to prove himself um, with this offense, with McCaffrey. Um, I think we can make our defense stronger. We need to get better against the run. Um, But he deserves one more shot with this team, definitely. Well, I mean, Joel, I will say this. Sentimental-wise, if you're a Panther fan, I don't blame you for feeling that way. And maybe he will and maybe he should. I think ultimately, though, this is going to come down to, A, what does David Tepper think? He just got rid of Ron Rivera, who, say what you want to say, was a pretty stable head coach. And in this day and age where you see teams just reaching for whatever coordinator they can hire and it's not as often that you hit, you know, with a McVay that you miss, Shermer, Gase, guys like that, 
that when he's going down that road to put his own fingerprint on the franchise, that's usually not a good sign that the franchise quarterback that's been here, who now is injured and may never be the same, will also be here. So I would prepare yourself and brace yourself that this could be the end for Cam Newton, and that may be a good thing for the franchise. It may be a good thing. Now, you don't want to end up in quarterback hell, if you will, but I'm not so sure that bringing back Cam Newton just because you want to see him one more time in this offense is necessarily the right way to go for this franchise. You would rather get out a year too early than a year too late. Sal is in Chicago. Sal, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, good morning. I just want to touch base on this college playoff. Yep. It's, it's a no-brainer. LSU needs to beat her number one seed. Absolutely. I live, Big Ten, I live in Big Ted country. Ohio State, they're, they're okay. The Big Ten is Well, well hold on. Well, Sal, mean, Sal, let's be fair. They're better than okay. Ohio State's a great team. No, they're, they're a great good. team. And, by listen, say, gotta, and, 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 and you're saying LSU should be number one, as am I. That's not a knock on Ohio State. It's, it's more not. of just, I, I, I don't care what you say with the Ohio State resume. When you have the wins that LSU has, they are better than the quote-unquote the wins Ohio State has. Okay, all I'm saying, the SEC is, is 20 times better than the Big Ten. The Big Ten is nothing. They have nobody that could scare Ohio State. It's a joke. they got a weak not conference schedule. And quite frankly, I'm dropping Ohio State down to the three slot. Well, Clemson has the experience in the playoff. Relax. Let's remember, three of the non-conference opponents, and say what you want to say about the conferences themselves Ohio State had when you look at Miami of Ohio, Cincinnati, and FAU conference champions in their own right. So Ohio State played... A difficult schedule. The problem is Ohio State probably pound for pound week in and week out had a tougher schedule than LSU, but their elite wins are not as impressive as LSU's elite wins on an undefeated schedule. And I am going to personally measure that more, and I believe the committee will as well if I'm just following what the committee has put in front of us of what they think of teams and how LSU handled teams the committee thought of. David is in Texas. David, you're on CBS Sports Radio. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Hey, I just wanted to say after that second half that uh, Ohio State put on 27 to nothing shutout, they should stay number one because Georgia well, was not as good as everybody said they were. Okay, in but the first but, place they didn't even deserve to be there. Now, David, you don't believe spot. Georgia? You don't believe Georgia deserved to be there? And and no, maybe you're right after the South Carolina loss. Maybe yeah. you're right. That yeah. being said, we are going. Forget what you think. Forget what I think. And forget what we our thoughts were might have been on Georgia. What did if the com- saw, what did the committee think of Georgia? If 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 I was in the committee and I saw the way that that Ohio State dominated that second half, and how when Alabama was up there they they came close to beating uh, LSU with a with a one legged guy. But that, that shows, shows you how good, how much better that. Alabama was. Anybody want to give them credit for? Which yeah, by the way, Alabama which by the way, the is another reason Georgia why wasn't the number four team. So that that what Wisconsin was is a better team than Georgia. I don't think Wisconsin is a better team than Georgia. And by the way, what you're talking about Wisconsin and what I was going to say with Alabama and the one-legged core, whatever, and having that, just another reason why an 18 playoff makes too much sense. Too much sense. It is just, it, at this point, if you don't think an 18 playoff needs to happen, you don't know what you're talking about anymore. And But everybody will point to the fact that you had three to lead teams and a bunch of mediocrity. Please, it's a one-off year. Thanks for the call, David. All right. I did tease this, so let me bring it up. The Big 12 championship game. Baylor, Oklahoma. One thing that will go understated as we wake up on Sunday and only focus on the playoff because they lost. Can we just give a round of applause to Matt Rule and the job he did at Baylor? The team was 1-11 a couple years ago. And he took them from the depths of the bottom of the barrel and everything that Art Bryles left that program and ruins in. 
And Matt Rule brought them to the point where they were a win in overtime potentially away from making the college football playoff. That's not on recruiting either. You know how you can watch college football and you know that coach is great at going on the road and recruiting. It's not to say Matt Rule's not a good recruiter. Obviously, Dobby did a temple. He's a coach, though. He is a coach's coach. He is a guy that will work in the NFL. And I have a feeling Matt Rule might be on his way out here in Baylor and getting one of these jobs in the NFL. On the other side, though, is the Lincoln Riley. And is Lincoln Riley, after this college football playoff that he likely gets in, on his way out and finally going to jump into the NFL? Because Lincoln Riley's name is going to come up every year, year in and year out. And is he somebody that at his age, while he's still young, wants to settle down and be at Oklahoma for 25 years? Or is he going to have that itch to go coach in the NFL? If you believe James Slater's report, and there's no reason not to, Lincoln Riley is on that list along with Urban Meyer to as to people that the Cowboys will speak to about their head coaching job. Now, if you're Lincoln Riley, is the Cowboys the job you want to go to? Now, that's a prominent organization. Maybe you feel like, hey, I could really bring the Cowboys back, and that's a challenge I want, possibly. And if you're Matt Rule, you have ties with Tom Coughlin and the Giant organization. The Giants clearly now seem to be a team that are going to head towards looking for a head coach. And the Maras and the Tishes love familiarity. Matt Rule's a guy who's been in that building. Is it possible at AT&T Stadium at Jerry World that today we saw Lincoln Riley and Matt Rule match up, that the next time these two coaches face each other will be at that stadium maybe in week one NFL 2020 for a giant Cowboy game? That is very much on the table that those two coaches in the Big 12 championship are both going to end up in the NFC East. Say what you want to say. Maybe Lincoln Riley doesn't go to the NFL and... If I had to guess, I'm 50-50 on whether he would, and then would he take the Cowboys job? I don't know. But at least if that's being reported about, it's on the table that the next time we see Matt Rule and Lincoln Riley face each other, it will be in the NFL, and it would not shock me if it's in that building. All right, we come back. Russell Baxter's going to join us. Longtime CBS Sports Radio ghost, uh, guest. Ghost. I think he's ghosted Graceffo for about 12 months on coming on any show he produces. We're going to go around the NFL And the AFC title game, Patriots and Chiefs, obviously a big one, Saints and 49ers. We'll look ahead to what is a monster Sunday in the NFL. It's Sean Morash on CBS Sports Radio. On CBS Sports Radio. It is the Sean Morass Show bringing you home, leading you in. How about a little pregame? John the John Kincaid Show is going to be coming up your way next. He's all fired up on the other side, already calling me names and everything. So a good, entertaining four hours. Coming up with John Kincaid, who last week, by the way, really went after, I think it was last week, Anthony Pierno, his producer, killing him for his attitude and his tiredness and stuff. Uh, Pierno really took a beating. So Pierno was here, and Kincaid should know this. Three hours ahead of his show today, really pumped up and focused and ready. So I hope Pierno doesn't take it on the chin from Kincaid again, but he is uh, he's ready to go. All right, our tweets came in at Mraz CBS, M-R-A-Z CBS. Eugene tweets, and I noticed that you sleep on the Vikings just about just like every other dweeb in the media. Well, the dweeb maybe ever. That's kind of cool. That feels good. I've been called fat, bald, ugly. Dweeb I don't get. I like dweeb. It's time to start recognizing Kirk Cousins as an MVP candidate. 
Have you watched Lamar Jackson play? Calvin Dalvin Cook is the best running back in the league. Dalvin Cook's been excellent. And a sixth-ranked defense that's only going to get better. Hashtag Super Bowl. Well, Eugene, it's time you start recognizing the Vikings for what they are. A franchise constantly letting you down and being mediocre. A franchise that once again could be finding itself in another swoon after their loss on Monday night. And look, their last four games here is they sit a game up on the Rams. They play the Lions and David Blau, and nobody puts David Blau in a corner. Nobody. Then you go play at the Chargers. Okay, game, I give you, probably dead. But that's going to be tough. Vikings travel on the road to L.A. You never know. Green Bay laid an egg there, too. Then they close back-to-back weeks versus the Packers and Bears at home. And say what you want to say about the Bears. Maybe the Bears are live that day if they keep winning out and playing the Packers. I don't think they will beat the Packers. That's five losses right there. You're telling me that the Vikings can't find a way being so Viking and so Kirk Cousins in December to lose another one of those three games and fall the six losses and have the Rams maybe come take them out here with a big run here these final four weeks? I'm not sleeping on the Vikings. The Vikings are what the Vikings are. A pretty good roster with a quarterback that always coughs it up in the big spot and calling him an MVP candidate is laughable. Laughable. Go back to bed, Eugene. Robert tweets in, You rock, dude, Sean. Go Buckeyes. See, okay, I'm just reading that because I wasn't called a dweeb there. And it was very nice of him to say I rock. You don't hear that rocking as well. G Money tweets in, Penn State was a top four team by the committee as well. You are right. Ohio State did beat a team in Penn State that the committee in their eyes at that time thought was a top four team. But I believe that was the initial college football playoff ranking. So now that we've seen the committee over the last couple of weeks rank these, LSU beating a team ranked four, and and it wouldn't just be a win. If LSU had beaten Georgia by a field goal, I would lean more that Ohio State argument that they still didn't do do enough to deserve to lose their top seed. It was the way that LSU undressed Georgia, demantled them, dismantled them. How about about that stadium in Atlanta, Arthur Blank's world, just emptying out with Georgia Bulldog fans? Can't happen. All right, as we look ahead to the NFL Sunday, We're still efforting Russell Baxter, but I did want to bring up the Buffalo Bills and the Baltimore Ravens are playing a game on CBS, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, up in Buffalo on Sunday. And you obviously know the Chiefs and Pats. We know the 49ers-Saints game. We can get to that in just a second. We know the Rams and Seahawks is a big game on Sunday night. But game kind of flying under the radar. The Bills finally, after having a winning record and having eight wins, none of which versus winning teams, went and beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving and really staked their claim, hey, we are for real. But we spent the entire time following that game talking about how bad the Cowboys are, and now the Cowboys have already played another game since then and continued to look awful and looked atrocious. So do we have the same questions we had a week ago about the Buffalo Bills? Are they for real? Do they even have a good win? Is the Cowboy game even considered a good win anymore? Is it considered a good win? I don't know what it is. But it was a big spot for Buffalo. Now they get Lamar Jackson coming into their building. And the Buffalo Bills in this we're the worst nine-win team of all time mentality get a chance to shock everybody. And the Baltimore Ravens, I hate to use this phrase because there's no real rhyme or reason for it, are due, right? They're due for a loss. The Baltimore Ravens have been on some run here, and they are due to lay an egg. There is meaningful meaningful football being played in Orchard Park. In December, pile drives through flaming tables, beers crushed against heads in that parking lot, 
and they're not watching a game to play spoiler in the freezing cold of Buffalo, New York in December. They are watching a game with everything on the line. And this game has more than just pride on the line for the Buffalo Bills, who will likely be in the playoffs anyways, the fifth seed. The Buffalo Bills, if anybody's paying attention, have a shot to get a buy. Have a shot at the one seed in the AFC should they win out. The Buffalo Bills are about to play the AFC's best team this year, the Baltimore Ravens. And should they win this game, it is on the table, as I picked last hour, that the Patriots lose to the Kansas City Chiefs because the Patriots have yet to beat any of those other division leaders they've played, the Houston Texans and the Baltimore Ravens themselves. And if you remember, earlier in the year up in Buffalo, the Patriots won a very ugly game that was defensive first versus the Buffalo Bills. The problem? Josh Allen left that game with a concussion, and the Bills made a late surge, nearly coming back to win that game with Matt Barkley. I believe it was Matt Barkley. But the Patriots didn't leave that game making you think they were night and day better than the Bills, but it was just kind of like, all right, the Bills put up a big effort. But now seeing how far the Bills have come, we could wake up 24 hours from now as we examine the college football playoff and we look at what the NFL storylines are on a Monday morning. If you're listening on CBS Sports Radio, it'll be Taz and the Moose, it'll be DA, it'll be Jim Rome, it'll be Tiki and Tierney. And there is a chance, on top of maybe the demise of Tom Brady continuing and the fall of the New England Patriots, what could go hand-in-hand hand with that is a Buffalo Bills win over the Baltimore Ravens would tie them with the Patriots for the division. And in two weeks, on a Saturday afternoon, the Bills go to Foxborough. This after playing next week on Sunday Night Football versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Bills are going to be in front of our faces for three straight weeks now. If they can run this gauntlet of beating three potential playoff teams in a row, and I know the Steelers aren't on the same level as the Ravens and the Pats, the Buffalo Bills could be hosting playoff football in the divisional round at in Orchard Park, something that, frankly, many listeners have never seen in their lives. A whole generation of people has never seen in their lives. A home Buffalo Bills playoff game? What? That is what is on the line Sunday for Buffalo Bills. They can only form their own land. They can't worry about what happens in Foxborough with the Chiefs after this. But... That Lamar Jackson attack and him running for over 100 yards every turn he can and him coming off a game where maybe his passes were a little erratic in the rain. But I got news for you. Sean McDermott, great head coach right now. That is a defense that is cooking. The Buffalo Bills might have the defense to stop Lamar Jackson or should I say at least slow him down. And that would make for great theater. And I, for one, am now rooting for the Buffalo Bills. You have to give him credit. And everybody in Buffalo at 855-212-4227 tweets at, C- at Mraz CBS. I want to hear from you. Will the Buffalo Bills beat the Baltimore Ravens? And will you be a believer that just maybe, just maybe, they could win this division? All right. On the other big game early, 49ers and Saints down in New Orleans. Both teams at 10-2. and two. The winner of this game will be in control of the number one seed, the NFC. And... This game is interesting twofold because the 49ers are playing for the one seed in the NFC, obviously, by going on the road to New Orleans. But should the 49ers lose this game, 
They could easily be the five and have to go on the road to the NFC East champion if the Seattle Seahawks were to win the division. Now, the 49ers stayed down in Florida, I believe, this week after playing on the East Coast in Baltimore. Instead of traveling back to the West, only to fly back to New Orleans and do this, they stayed down East, down in the South, and now they go to New Orleans. To me, I think the San Francisco 49ers are capable based on how elite their defense is after what I saw them do in bad weather in Baltimore a week ago. I believe the 49ers are capable of being one of these teams, and they happen, I know they happen rarely. We saw it with the New York Giants. I believe we saw it with the Green Bay Packers. Going to Pittsburgh Steelers, maybe going to win three road games, or playing all three weeks, winning three road games, and getting to a Super Bowl, winning a Super Bowl. I think the 49ers are built to do that. I do not believe the Saints, despite the job Sean Payton has done and navigating what they did without Drew Brees. I do not trust the Saints on the road in an NFC title game. I think the New Orleans Saints, if they want to finish what they started the last two years and losing in heartbreaking fashion, Minneapolis Miracle, the the non-pass interference last year versus the Rams, I think the Saints need this home field advantage, and I think this game is actually more important for New Orleans, as crazy as that sounds, because a loss actually would put San Francisco in danger of not even having one home playoff game, forget home field advantage, I believe the Saints need home field advantage the way their team is constructed, more so than the 49ers can because that defense, and I know the Saints have a great defense too, that defense travels. 49ers also this year 5-1 on the road, New Orleans 5-1 at home. And on that wild card note, because this has been a hot button issue, I did want to get my thoughts in on this. A lot has been made about, well, should the NFL consider making it so that the best records host the playoff games, not just the division winners. Stop it. Just stop it. Yes. Will every once in a while we get a 500 or worse team in a really bad division host a playoff game? In fact, it's happened twice in recent memory. The Panthers did it, and the Seahawks did it. And both times, by the way, each of those teams won their game at home, which really drove people crazy because people felt like, well, if they were on the road, they wouldn't have won the game. Now, the Panthers situation was a little different because I believe that was a Ryan Lindley game quarterback in the Cardinals who just lost Carson Palmer to injury. But on the other side was the Beast Quake. It's a memorable moment. It's probably one of the top 100 plays of all time. They beat the Saints. And oh, by the way, there's a good chance that that team that's got to go on the road now is the Seahawks. So you could say what goes around comes around. Seahawks got the benefit. Now they could go on the road if the 49ers win this division and, and go have to play the Cowboys or Eagles who don't deserve to win a playoff game. But when teams start training camp, one of the goals laid out by every head coach is what? It is go win the division, get a home playoff game, we'll figure it out from there. When you take away the ability for division winners to win a home, have a home playoff game, why are we playing opponents in your division twice? How are you selling that? Because if you win a division, you have won that portion of the league. Your division is your portion, your own little piece of the pie of the league. And you should be rewarded. Now, many will argue, well, you're rewarded with a playoff spot. They could still get in the playoffs. Division winners should make the, should win and play a home playoff game. And if you're not good enough to win your division, but you're better than a team that, uh, that maybe fared differently or had a worse record but won their division... That is stupid. You are not playing anywhere near the same schedule the way it is structured. You are playing six teams versus your division. If you playing with the most bulk of your schedule against your division are not good enough to win your division, you should not be hosting a playoff game. 
despite the fact that you might be better than a team. Also, how often does this happen? Three times in the last 12 years? Not often enough that we should be trying to go radical Adam Silver ridiculousness and been altering the playoff schedule. If the Eagles or Cowboys are hosting this playoff game and it's the Rams or Seahawks coming in their building, so be it. You think you're the better team anyway? Well, great teams win on the road as well as they win on home. Go do what the Saints didn't do in Seattle and what the Cardinals, granted what the backup quarterback didn't do in Carolina, and that was win the game. Because when wildcard weekend approaches and say it's a Saturday night game and Dallas is hosting the Seattle Seahawks, are we all picking the Dallas Cowboys to win the game based off of what we watched, or we think Seattle's going to win a game? My guess is most of us would think Seattle's going to win a game. Or if it was San Francisco, we'd think that too. So stop with the fact that they need to have that home playoff game because they would have best record. I've heard that a lot this week, and I find that to be completely nonsensical. All right, so things to watch for coming up here on this Sunday. College football playoff. I believe your final rankings will be LSU 1, Ohio State 2, Clemson 3, Oklahoma 4. You will get an Oklahoma-LSU game, or LSU should win that game about 41-10. to 10. And you'll get a great Ohio State-Clemson matchup. Maybe the best college football playoff matchup we've had in a long time in the semifinal. I think that'll be fascinating. And on an NFL Sunday, your four games right there. I just mentioned 49ers Saints. I mentioned the Ravens and Bills. Who can't get enough of Chiefs and Pats and the future of Tom Brady and what will the conversation be? And then at night, the Rams. Now, you expect the Vikings to beat the Lions, but the Rams still alive a game out. We'll play the Seattle Seahawks and what Vegas has is a pick right now in what is a monster NFC West game. So we are set up. I think this is one of the top five sports weekends of the year. It'll be a heck of a lot of fun closing it out and uh, enjoying what should be a great NFL Sunday. Brian McKeon and James Graceffo, what a stand-up job by them tonight. And I say that ironically. No, but they did a good job tonight, obviously. Great job by Graceffo nailing down Russell Baxter here in the last segment. I'm so glad <laughs> we had the guest hooked up. And... Look, John Kincaid's coming up next. He's going to tell you why I was wrong for the last four hours, I'm sure. He'll have some fun with that. DA will follow that with a little Sunday morning football. I will be back next week, barring a baby coming, because I am due any moment now. It's the Sean Moraes Show on CBS Sports Radio. Hope you've enjoyed the Pork Store. Have a great Sunday, everybody. <laughs>